Welcome back to this Spirit of Cinema podcast, episode two, Sailing Homeward. The song Sailing Homeward represents the time I first discovered filmmaking and what my dad did for a living. The whole family had decamped to Rothenburg in Germany, where a half-built cathedral and cobbled streets in a medieval town made the perfect location for the film The Pied Piper. Jacques Demy was directing an Andrew Birkin script, produced by my dad, David, and the cast included not only my sister Deborah, my mum Patsy and myself, but Diana Dawes, Jack Wilde straight from Melody, John Hurt, Peter Eyre, Julian Leach and Donovan. I was five years old and spent most of my time with a teenage Steve Barron, who later went on to direct countless box office smashes and music videos. We'd sit in an old pigsty in the middle of the town square, waiting for calls for tea and other errands that needed running. Then there was Donovan, the real Pied Piper. Us kids would gather round him as he regaled us with songs and stories, accompanied by his guitar. I was mesmerised. I called up with Donovan over the phone from Ireland to share memories and discuss both my version and his original Sailing Homeward. So, Don, I first came across Sailing Homeward in The Pied Piper, but you'd, had you written it before The Pied Piper? Sailing Homeward arrived on my guitar, I guess, about 1970. Now, 70 was an extraordinary year because I'd always loved the film world, and uh, I'd run into David Putnam. He particularly wanted me to appear in the film about the Pied Piper. Um, the, the song itself had already been written before the film, so the song came along in 1970, and I was singing it in concert before I recorded it for myself in 1972 or three. Sailing homeward, it's time to go. And what about the lyric? How did the lyric come to you? Well, you know, <laughs> the lyric of Sailing Homeward uh, is all about the books that I, I've been reading all my life. The books of alternative states of consciousness, meditation, poetry, music, theatre and, uh, and, and esoteric studies. The symbolic language of Sailing Homeward is we're all sailing homeward. As a poet, I knew very early that I'm from the Gaelic tradition of the Irish, the Scots and the Welsh. Me, I'm the Scots-Irish. My matriarchal background goes back through O'Brien's, Granny O'Brien and Granny Kelly. And so, as a poet, there is a journey. It is our role to actually write songs and to explain. They say there are seven ages of man, from the child to the teen, the teen to the, the, the young adult, the young adult to the father and the mother, the father and mother to the middle age, uh, from the middle age to the early old age, and then the old age and the passage into death. This is very important that I rediscovered in myself. The the role of the poet. And so sailing homeward is we're all sailing homeward on a great voyage. It's called life. And on that voyage, there will be many stops at many ports. There will be many mountains to climb, many valleys to, to, to go down into the dark. Very simply, we're all sailing homeward. Uh, over the ocean of life, we must roam. And when you get there, say hello for me for I have a long, long way to go. 
Well, as the poet, the poet wants to remain in this particular life as long as possible to indicate and mark the seven stages of the human's journey through life. And I have done that. Actually, was I'd done quite a lot of it by 1970, <laughs> Sasha. If, if, you, if you look closely, I had uh, sketched out the imaginary world of childhood. I then... Uh, obviously sketched out the revolutionary world of the 60s and started producing songs for that. I also sketched and fulfilled many songs of meditation and also the altered states of consciousness of the pagan tribes of the earth. Of course, we're speaking of the magic plants of marijuana, hashish, the magic mushrooms, ayahuasca, and, and these journeys I, as the poet, uh, wrote about. And when you get there Say hello for me. Well, when it came to sailing homeward, I think I was listening to Carol King and the way she writes and plays her piano. I was lucky enough to run into Andrew Oldham, the producer of Sailing Homeward. We didn't do it until 72, 73, after the film. But when we did it, I actually had uh, Carol King play piano. So the lyric of Sailing Homeward is the esoteric, symbolic language of the journey through life. And that bridge, that bridge, whenever I wander weary, I'll reach for you. This is a very wide sweep, like the ocean of that great ship that we're sailing across our life. I would say that great four-masted schooner across the ocean of life. That's quite a wide sweep that I will reach for you. Many people would say he means God or goddess, or maybe he means the, the great spirit in the sky for the American Indians. Or the great Mother Earth, she will see me through. But deep down, there is Linda, my darling, my muse. And so whenever I wandered weary during 1970, and I can tell you it was a weary journey for me, <laughs> not many people actually uh, were on that ride, that particular journey, that particular voyage through teenage fame and into super fame, an absolute attack by the establishment on all that we were doing in the 60s and the survival of that attack. It was Linda that I met again in 1970. And so the song has Linda in it. She will be looking out for me. And she was, and she is. Don, that is absolutely beautiful. I want to drill a little bit more into uh, the music. As you know, I've studied music extensively. So as you yes. say, forever long, long way to go, you do this beautiful move from B minor to the B flat major. Yes. For I have a long, long way to go. Also, as you just mentioned, as you move into this widescreen, you move from yes. the F sharp down into the F. Whenever I wonder, now, what's so beautiful, that's, that's the same type of movement. Are you aware of that, or is that just inspiration? Well, 
the first thing that people asked me when I was young, did you study music? Do you read music? I said, no, I don't read music. But in fact, I absorbed an enormous amount of music. And it is true to say, and I'll bring in some young chums, the Beatles. When we met, we noticed in, in our meetings and listening to each other's music that we had absorbed an enormous amount of material very quickly, uh, very naturally. And I, when I was playing the guitar and finding more than three chords, folk music is supposed to have three, just three chords, you know. But what I was fascinated with was the minor descents. And of course, the B minor to the F sharp minor is extraordinary part of into E minor up to the A, yeah. then from the A to the D and back into the B minor. These emotional fields uh, that one discovers, <laughs> uh, I must have heard them. I did start collecting very, very early my own vinyl collection, but my father had quite a collection. There was some classical there, of course. There was uh, the Walt of the Flowers. There was a uh, and there was an extraordinary amount of, uh, of show music that my mother loved, of course. There was Sinatra and those incredible arrangements by the orchestrations around Frank Sinatra. But I was deep down into Pablo Casal. Uh, I, I, I just absorbed it all. I didn't go to concerts. I just heard it, bought it, and then I played it. I'm very natural. I would say, like you said, is it quite natural? Yes. And some of these descending patterns that I passed on to other songwriters opens up a complete new world. Fantastic. One of the reasons, Don, I love going back to this, you're such an important figure in my musical career, is that I think yes. I was about five years old. So I knew nothing but felt everything. I knew when you were singing the music, the chords, the way that everything came across. Yeah. And what's been beautiful about studying music is working out the mechanics yeah. of how I felt, which is why I've loved going back over this music, remembering how a five-year-old innocently responds uh, to a song being sung. That's right. Um, Don, let me just move move a little bit forward. Rosie and I saw the most beautiful YouTube clip. You must be 17. You're sitting in a smoky room with Bob Dylan and you play to Dylan beautifully. It's fascinating for me. What makes great singers are the way that you say things. So, for instance, when you sing Sailing Homeward, there are ways that you say a, a word that makes it stick in your mind. There may be stormy. Now, that's the five-year-old me talking, you know, remembering why this performance stays with me. And in this Dylan video, you display all of that. When the night left you cold and feeling sad I will show you that it cannot be so bad Yes, the song I sang to Bobby, I sang it first. It was to sing for you and it was my composition. I then asked him to sing It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. Uh, in the exchange, it's very interesting, before I tell you about the sonic power of my vocals, but what actually in that exchange, what you experience in that film is the age-old meeting of two poets, folk singers, 
uh, exchanging songs, because in those days before radio and before television, the, this is the only way music was passed on and shared in those hundreds of centuries of music and poetry that has been going on well before the 20th century. <laughs> so when we met, it was under very edgy conditions of, of modern life and all that. But really, me singing to Bobby and him silently listening, if you watch it again, you, after I finish, he says, you wrote that? I said, yeah. I said, sing me baby blue yes he said you want that and he gives it to me but what what actually exchange was has been so misunderstood there was no rivalry there was no competition there is no competition perhaps as the older one uh, you saw the younger one coming along and maybe was a little concerned i don't know but he, sh he needn't have been because we both honored loved and celebrated witty guthrie which was his his great hero of his youth and and mine in a social conscious way yes but when you hear when you actually hear me singing and playing the guitar at the same time it is extraordinary that so early in my career uh, at 18 or 19 you actually experienced at five you heard it there's some marriage between the vocal and the guitar playing where the notes on the guitar and the notes of my vocal and the meanings and the lyric are seem to be all coming out in one whole emotional field now that is the beauty of one instrument one vocal one poem one singer it is a, a, a great skill Maybe i just can't make it anymore With your head bowed down, you're staring at the floor. The actual way I'm describing it is there is music in the sound of a vocal, and I'm doing it right now in the way I'm moving the vowel sounds. It is in the power of the vowel sounds where great emotional vocals are actually presented by the power of the vowels. There are vowels in the English world, A, E, I, O, U. Now, I read about the ancient Gallic bardic tradition where the poets were taught about the vowel sounds. The power of them, Sasha, is they are continuous sounds. They don't stop. These are the emotive sounds from the emotional body of the human, what you would say, the human chakra system. The other sounds of poetry are, are the stop sounds like ta, ka, ra, ta, ma, sa, ba. These sounds stop and they handle the rhythmic sounds of the vocal performance. So when you hear a vocalist like me, uh, and you don't really know that there are vo these vocal sounds are being, are being chanted in a certain way, I'm not conscious of it. I come from that tradition. I know how to do it. But the sounds of the vowels are very important. And when you hear uh, the cry of the blues, it's the vowels that you're hearing. And when you hear the cry of great emotional sacred music and vocals, you're also hearing the vowels. It's a little secret there. Over to you, Sasha.
when you play your song on the video, I there seems to be a timing all of its own. But I would have suggested that time signatures are changing or the rhythmic, the syncopation is so married to the vocal um, that there's no sense of 4-4. Four, four, there's no sense of, you know, that straightforward sort of what I call the driving rhythm we live with now. It could go anywhere, yeah. which actually keeps you as the audience holding on to your every well word. Well done. You have indicated that there is a great freedom in the solo performance in the opera, they call it the aria, uh, and, uh, uh, and and in other forms of music, it's called the improv, or the, or there's a word in classical called the row, where a piece of music can slow down or speed up uh, uh, according to the feeling and the emotional the, uh, emotional field that is being performed. You will also notice in my music that the tempo uh, seems to be slightly slower than normal, <laughs> yeah. but no, it's quite it's quite natural. And the beats, I seem to be slightly behind the beat sometimes of a normal somebody counting a normal a normal four four to the bar, you know. And uh, when John Cameron, my who did not arrange Salem Homeward, but John Cameron, the great arranger, who's still with us, uh, he arranged many of my classical fusion jazz pieces. And often in the studio, it would be extraordinary to see the lead violinist would actually say, John, uh, there's there's a beat missing in uh, that bar. Did you know that? And it seems to move forward a little bit faster than the one before. And John said, look, play as written. This is a Donovan session. Don, you talked earlier about meeting resistance in your youth with your new ideas alongside other pariahs and revolutionaries, Dylan, Marvin Gaye, Joni Mitchell and Janis Joplin. Where are we now with a musical voice for justice and consciousness? Well, you have to speak of the times. You know, nature moves very slow. Uh, I don't know whether people will recognize when I say, when you're lying on your back in a summer day looking at the cloud, your mind can move away very fast from the cloud. When you move back again, the cloud's completely changed. Uh, you haven't had the patience to actually watch this cloud go through its changes. Nature is very slow. This great changes of the consciousness in, in an age like the 20th century these things were moving through two world wars and a depression when it arrived at the 60s can you imagine the great suffering that has already occurred in the consciousness of the human on the planet and when it arrives in 60 59 61 63 64 this consciousness has risen up into an awareness and television and radio is now beaming it around the world that didn't happen before. So there was a great relief and release from a Victorian restriction and two wars and a depression and great suffering and nuclear a nuclear bomb. This this kind of <laughs> growing up in the 60s and into the 70s, there was the need for a great cry of anguish and also a great warning bell was rung. We're headed for a fast approaching impending disaster. And so where is it today? Your generation says, why is that not happening today? It moves that slow. It will take a while 
for another, like a Renaissance period, like the 60s. Uh, the Renaissance period in the 1500s came from an enormous amount of great suffering and restriction and, and terrible control of people's, of people's lives. It was, it was a nightmare, a horror. We came out of that horror in the uh, late 50s and the early 60s just ready and primed to actually be that cry. We were the singer-songwriters of the age. Where are they now? You young music makers today must look at what's going on and present it. But you have still a lot to go to study what we actually did. We opened up a door and I brought in classical jazz, blues, folk, ethnic, poetry, the tales of fairy tale and legend and, and the medieval sounds and the, and the later sounds of the Baroque. Me, I just felt the world is one. Bring all music together. And that happened. And on Sailing Homeward, I think we got close to bridging that classical folk poetic bridge. Fantastic. <laughs> Don, huge love to you and Linda. Thank you so much yeah. for your time. You can see why, as a five-year-old, I was mesmerized by Donovan, and still am. He continues to make wonderful music and to be on the vanguard of revolutionary spirit. Do listen to Eco Song, Donovan's concert tribute to Greta Thunberg. Rosie will put the links discussed in the podcast on our website, myamusic.co.uk, and the videos on our YouTube channel, also at myamusic.co.uk. Please do subscribe to this podcast, like and share as it all helps to keep the show on the road. Thank you once again to Donovan. Stay well and do look out for episode three coming soon.